So I am not sure. I cannot see whether there are children in the audience. Are there? Got it. Okay. Um, welcome to the worship today. This particular scripture can be puzzling for us in the 21st century because Jesus keeps talking about himself as the bread of life and how bread is so important and such. And unfortunately, in our society, we have kind uh, kind of begun to be very suspicious of bread. And now people are worried about, is it gluten-free? Is it uh, free of any kinds of preservatives and things? And so when we hear Jesus is the bread of life, we could actually be suspicious (laughs) and kind of wonder what's going on here because I've been learning in school and in my family that maybe bread is not good for us. So one of the things that I think is always important to remember that when Jesus was saying these things, he was saying it to people that were, well, from 2,000 years ago. And in those days, bread was an essential piece of all of life. No matter what was happening, bread was something we ate. And so what Jesus is saying now to us in the 21st century is that he is the essentials for helping us be alive and well and functioning. And that in the same way as in his time, bread was a main staple of life. Today, he can be that same strength and staple for when we are going through tough times, like the COVID and other things like that. So um, as we hear references in scripture to bread, let's always remember that Jesus is trying to give us a sense that to count on him in the same way that we would count on good, nutritious food that keeps us healthy and functioning. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for reminding us that um, you are the bread of our life and that is a nutrition for us to be healthy and related relating well with other people and to feel strong as we are as a young person. We ask that you be with us and grant us your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to just read one portion of the gospel for today, just one sentence, as a way of kind of moving into some thoughts about what Jesus and this gospel might be about. The 47th verse of the sixth chapter says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. 
I love this particular scripture because it's a wonderful example of human nature that is described in the gospel. He comes, Jesus comes and begins talking about the power of being in relationship with God and to be present, to have God present with you and to have God as a source of your life of strength. And the people who hear him, what do they do? They say, is this the young kid that used to live down the block, the son of Mary and Joseph? How could he be saying these kinds of things? Well, I knew him when he was growing up, you know, and so it's like they're hearing this incredibly powerful, wonderful message, and all they can do is say, how can that guy say it? I really used to play with him, or I remember when he was helping his dad. It, so it's kind of, it's sort of almost hilarious because it is so human nature. 2,100 years later, <laughs> we do the same thing. We, I remember when I went to, I think it was the 50th, 50th reunion of time graduated from college, and there was this one guy who I always kind of thought he was a real goofball. And he, he, he was seemed like he was always getting in trouble doing something or another. And he had been elected to be in the Senate of the state of Minnesota. And I thought, how could he do that? So I'm doing the exact same thing as the Jews did to Jesus in that day. So I think what I'm mentioning is that here is Jesus trying to give people a really sense of power and meaning. And here we are, we're kind of dismissing it because, well, I don't believe in this, or I don't believe in that, or I don't think he's got the right things going. So one of the things that I think is, is important is that um, to understand the words that we hear and from, the, from whom they are is to be able to hear them as that, that person in that moment, rather than to question them as to where they come from and what, what status do they have and are they actually legit to be doing this. <clears throat> so when we think about um, what is going on with us today, we are basically, I guess you could say, we are basically struggling with the same thing as the people did 2,000 years ago. What is faith? Because that's what Jesus was asking them, to have faith. And they couldn't easily have faith because they were questioning the, this young guy who was talking. They didn't think he should be doing that. And so rather than hearing Jesus' invitation for faith, they were just kind of arguing in their own mind and even talking about whether this is legit or not. So what does it mean when we are really faithing? Um, one of the things that we have difficulty now reading the scripture in the 21st century is that there are images and um, metaphors that are used that we really don't necessarily have as powerful metaphors today. Bread. <laughs> as I was mentioning in the children's 
servant is that we have so many different interpretations on bread. And some of us who grew up in that the white bread syndrome, the, you know, the kind that you could have in the bread drawer for a month that it would never spoil <laughs> because it had so much, so much preservatives in it or um, other kinds of bread where you say, well, I couldn't eat this. It's got too many bad things in it um, and such. So when we, listened, when we listen to scripture read and we think about it, we need to be able to put it into a context and understand it maybe in a new way. So when you think of the references in Scripture over the several thousand years that Scripture covers, bread is referred to all the time. Like, for example, the reference to Elijah. It says a cake, but I'm sure it was like a, like a chunk of bread that had been placed in front of Elijah to give him strength. And he knew that eating that cake or that bread, it was going to give him strength because they didn't have um, preservatives in those days. Um, and when they put things together, they really kind of used the most uh, healthy products that they had in order to be able to eat and eat well. Or the Last Supper. What is it that Jesus does at the Last summer Supper with the 12 disciples? He takes bread and wine. And I always love the symbolism of bread and wine. That the, the process of making bread and wine is almost exactly the same, except you use different ingredients. With bread, you put the ingredients together and then you want it to ferment a little bit so that it will rise and, and do other things. And then you have to put it in an oven and the oven causes all that stuff to have a chemical reaction and what comes out is not the dough that you put together when you put in. So the bread in the bread of life, the bread of the Holy Communion is a symbol of transformation. It's just like with wine. You can't squeeze the grapes and take a drink and think this is good wine. Sometimes you have to wait years for good wine to come. But Jesus used the bread in the Last Supper. Also, you'll, I know you've all heard the, the story about when the Israelites were moving from Egypt to their uh, homeland. They didn't have anything to eat a lot of the times. And so God promised them manna and doves. And every morning they would wake up and there was the manna and it was like bread. And so here is another symbol of bread in scripture so that when we hear Jesus talking about that he is the bread of life, he is not saying I'm like a whole wheat or a rye or uh, um, sourdough or something like that. He's using an powerful, powerful symbol that all through the thousands of years of Hebrew history had to do with importance, power, sustenance, and meaning. So when we hear Jesus talk about saying, I am the bread of life, he is talking in a symbolic way. 
I also, um, I always, always remember that one portion of scripture is that right after Jesus was come, came out of the tomb, so it was still on earth and had not ascended into heaven. At first, he bumped into the disciples and they didn't recognize him until they said, why don't you sit down and have supper with us? So he, they did, and then he started to break some bread, and then they recognized him. This is the guy we worked with, and he is alive. He was dead, and now he's alive. And so here, in, even in the gospel, that gospel, the symbolism of bread is really powerful. So when Jesus talks about the bread of life, he's saying this is a very powerful part of why I'm here and why I'm with you. And one of the things that I also uh, am so amazed at is that that um, when bread appears in Scripture, it has to do connecting people and faith. And like, for example, um, uh, the when the people were collecting the manna, some of them were a little nervous. They think, well, maybe it's not going to happen tomorrow. So they gathered double what they had done the, the day before. But when they woke up, they had found that it had spoiled. And it was, so manna became a symbol of faith. And one of the things that I have really come to learn over the years is that most of the time, when faith is referred to in scriptures, it's not a noun. It's not something that we have. We don't possess a faith. We don't carry around in our back pocket or in our purse and pull it out when we need it. But is, it is a verb. And what we are invited to do is to faith not have faith. And I just think it's so powerful to realize that when we talk about faith, we're talking about acting. And so, for example, if you go to the original Greek where Jesus is translated to English as using the word faith, that word is a verb, pisteo. That's the Greek word. And that's the... Um, the active part of faithing as opposed to the passive, kind of this oding side of it. So I'm, maybe some of you have already heard this before, that faith is not a noun, it's a verb. If you have, great, I'm glad. Glad to hear that. If you haven't, I invite you to take a look at what does that mean that faith is a verb? It means we do things that are our faith. We act in a certain way. Like, for example, the Israelites, when they left Egypt and knew they were going to probably be journeying for a number of years, that was faith in action. That was acting. They left. Or you think about um, uh, others, other examples within Scripture that, like, I think, for example, Elijah, when he 
went to sleep, he was ready to quit. I'm done. I'm not going to do anything more. But he is awakened, and there is some to eat. And he eats it and is encouraged to eat it because he says, you need this for your journey. And that portion of scripture ends where he was able to journey for 40 days and do what it was that he set out to do. Or the same thing with the Israelites coming from Egypt. They knew they had to cross the Red Sea, but they didn't have a boat. How do you get across the Red Sea? Well, when they got there, the Red Sea parted. So they kept walking to the Red Sea. They didn't stop and say, oh, we can't go because of the Red Sea is there. We might as well quit, go back to Egypt. At least we had food and clothing. But they continued. They faithed to the Red Sea and it parted. So over and over again, we see the power of, of faithing is acting. Acting as if something is true. So, for example, if you go to Matthew 25, uh, Jesus was asked, well, what is the kingdom of God? And he tells them about the parable of the sheep and the goats being separated. And notice what he says then. I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. I was alone. I was sick in the hospital and you cared for me. All of the references that Jesus makes about the kingdom of God is action. And that's what we're called to do today. And sometimes people say, well, you know, I did that before, but you know, I'm retired and so I don't do that anymore. <laughs> and I remember one time I was visiting a woman in the hospital and she was fairly quite elderly. And I was just talking with her and I said, so how are you doing? And, oh, she says, I'm doing fine. And she says, I'm keeping real busy. What's she getting, keeping busy doing, you know? And I said, wow, that's pretty good. How, what, how do you keep yourself busy? Well, I have this prayer list that is so long that I don't even finish it in a week. I constantly, when I wake up in the morning and I'm not, you know, doing some eating or getting some uh, treatment or something, I'm praying. And I pray for people on my list. I continue to pray and pray and pray, but I never get through the list. That's why I have to keep going. And it just reminded me is that here was an elderly woman who was faithing. She, she was acting out that belief that she has. So as you go around your daily routine, your weekly routine, your monthly routine, take a look at the ways that you are faithing. How are you living out what it is that Jesus is inviting us to do. To visit the sick, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit those imprisoned, to be actively demonstrating that we believe. Amen.